The Core 360 belt is the best aid to train the abdominal wall. The Core 360 is a patent-pending, first-of-its-kind training belt that helps you move, breathe, and perform better. We use the Core 360 belt with almost every patient at Winchester Spine and Sport. The biofeedback is second to none, and it's an amazing way to teach proper respiration and can be even used during higher-level movements in the gym. Teaching proper respiration is about as fun as a rash. With the Core 360 belt, you take all the headaches away. Visit core360belt.com and use the code GESTALT for 10% all off all belts. Ohm track sensors not included. Again, visit core360belt.com and use the code GESTALT for 10% off. Enjoy the episode. All right, everyone, we're back for part two of our uh, conversation with Gary Gray. Uh, so if you missed part one, obviously, uh, go back. We talked all about assessment. We kind of introduced a lot of the concepts uh, with function, how uh, Gary's mind works with, uh, or the Gray Institute minds works with, uh, with assessment. And so now we're kind of, this is where the rubber hits the road. So we've assessed our patients. We got a good idea of the, the, the areas that we need to attack. And so we're going to start tackling treatment, Brett. And I think a, a good way to think of this too is like if you're out on the athletic field, you never get the same opportunity, never the same situation twice. Your your you know your opponents are somewhere, your teammates sounds are different, the ball's in a different place. So I think that's kind of making an argument for we need to you know assess all these different you know planes yeah. of motion in our, in yeah. our assessment. No, I don't think you can say it better than that. Um, real function doesn't repeat itself day after day. You, there's a little different when I walk. To school, if I have to, you know, go around somebody, even swinging a golf club, uh, it's totally different. A little different slant, a little different temperature, a little different pressure under me, and uh, so uh, that's that's why a big part of treatment in our mind's eye is what we call tweakology or variability. How do you how do you make sure that you cover the thousand ways that I might have to juke somebody, uh, as opposed to I'm just going to teach you this one movement and hopefully it covers all thousand. It doesn't. So a big part of what we've come up with. And it's because of Doug's nomenclature is the power of tweakology. Mm. How do you take a, how do you take a, a solid movement that they got and then gradually tweak it so they can handle anything that's going to occur out there in the wild blue yonder? Right. And you coined a term. I'm assuming you coined the term driver. Is that is that? Uh, we use it a lot. I think I think other people probably have used it. I think in the world of human movement, we probably coined it because right. because we we kept asking ourselves what causes the human body to move. And then Dave Tiberio would keep saying, well, what drives it? And I go, oh, that's better. Uh, gravity drives it. Ground reaction force drives it. Mass and momentum drives it. Our hand drives it. Our eyes drive it. Our feet drive it. Our pelvis drives it. And our intent drives it. And uh, our attitude drives it. And whether I'm encouraged or not, if I'm discouraged, I'm not going to get up off the couch and move. So, but if I'm encouraged, I might get off the couch and move. So what drove movement there? It was a behavioral driver. So, right. Even if we talk development, I'm shoot if we're in a DNS seminar, the first year of development is basically, it's through exploration ex of all exactly, yeah. emotional need and through all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So that sounds like that's exactly yeah. the transition. Well, why do we learn to walk so I can get to my toy quicker than my sister? Right. You know, I mean, if I can crawl there and don't have much competition, yeah, I'm going to walk. You know, but if I see my sister getting there a little quicker, I'm going, got to be a better way to locomote. So I'm going to figure this sucker out. So uh, th those first 12 months are a miracle. I think if, what we've tried to do is study the first 12 months of life and try to reduplicate as much as we can because yeah, I believe I like we're missing so much um, 
I, I call that kind of developing the hard drive. And I think a lot of what I do and miss the boat is I do a lot of software work where I forget sometimes I got to clear the software and go back to the hard drive, clean it and restore it and give it a new opportunity and then build the software. And I, build, we, I, th I believe we get a lot of our hard drive knowledge, like you said, the first 12 months of life. And I, th I mean, the opportunity uh, to drive a patient is just, it's basically infinity, isn't it? Because yes. you could, you know, we could use, for example, like a foot driver here, you know, but we could also drive them in the coronal plane, the transverse plane. Yeah. We could use our arms as a driver. Yeah. Uh, before we uh, started the, the actual podcast, we were talking about how you could use your eyes as a driver. Exactly. So all of these different things could potentially be used as a driver. How do you decide which driver to use? <laughs> uh, I, I, we, we have a saying at the Grand Institute. I think of all our goofy sayings, this is the one that's going to stick. Because this is the one when people hear it, they go, man, I wish somebody would have told me that years ago. The test is the exercise, and the exercise is a test. If you have the right test, everything you do after it's going to look like the test. If you don't, things are going to look different. You'll have what we call gaposis. And that's what I did for the first number of years of my career. I did these artificial tests, and then when I trained somebody, it didn't look at all like the test. So I'm asking myself, why in the world did I do that test? And the answer is, I have no idea. But now that you, the way you said it, the test is the exercise, the exercise is the test. They did pretty good with this. Now I'm going to use various drivers and various tweaks to facilitate that uh, in order to create a reaction I want. So, for example, you want to you do yeah, your posterior chain real quick? Let's do it. So let's go back to your posterior chain, okay? Which foot, which foot did you put back? You, I think you put right. your right foot yep. back, didn't you? Go ahead and do that again just to warm up, okay? Come back, good. Go down again, good. And go to toe touch now. Just kind of go toe touch, good. And then go no toe touch, and you got, got your wiggles going on. Good. And get your hands down a little further. You're doing wonderful. Good job. Good. And so you see all the skittish going on there. Great. That's, that's normal, especially if you get into that transformational zone. Okay. So we might say, well, you're not going to kill yourself if I keep you in that plane. You have no pain right now. Sure. So I'm going to use, I'm going to still use the hands of the driver, but I'm just going to go in a different plane of motion. Okay. So what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to, instead of going straight down, I want you to go first time to the right, first time to the left. First time to the right, first time to the left. Just alternate for me. Go to the right, good, and come back, go to the left. Great job. Go to the right, go to the left. Okay, good. And go the other way, good. Now do me a favor, go just a little quicker. You're doing great, good. Good, now good. Now come back up, just kind of relax, okay? Now just do the first one you did, just go straight back. A lot less jittery. All of a sudden you're stable. You're like, well how did you get me stable in less than two minutes? Because I just created a little buffer zone. Okay, to that, I had a little transverse plane. You still use the hand as a driver. I could have taken your foot in the frontal or the transverse plane, or I could have had you rotate your head one way or the other and use your eyes as a driver. But since you were pretty good with the hand driver, I thought, let's just go with it and see. Now, if you would have done that and not come back to better stability, I would have gone, hey, good day, Bob. In my mind's eye, I'm going, wrong driver, <laughs> dummy, okay? And then I might go to the foot, and then I might go to the head. But it should smell and look a lot like the test. Uh, the best way to test somebody's jumping ability is, uh, let me think, uh, jumping, okay? <laughs> and if you're going to train me to jump, it should smell a lot like jumping. Probably won't be on a table lifting cuff weights, okay? I'll probably doing a lot of things with the subtalar joint, a lot of things with the knees, everything in three planes of motion, so, and even things with the, like we said, with the tongue. And so I could load, and the next time I jump, I subconsciously jump higher. Well, how am I going to test if I jump higher? I'm going to go back and retest jumping. It's like, 
It's almost too simple when you, when you, <laughs> when you take the complexity of AFS and you realize what we do, our job turns into really simple because the patient's going to tell me what's wrong with them and the patient's going to tell me what's right with them. I just now start experimenting with tweaks and finding out what gets you there quicker and it's very safe. And I go, wow, this is kind of fun. They love it because it smells just like what they want to do. Uh, so if you're a golfer, a lot of things are going to be done either here or here. You're not going to be uh, on all fours. You're not going to be laying on your back, uh, lowering your leg and seeing if you can contract your abdominals to have good core strength because that has absolutely nothing to do with golf. So the beauty of AFS is it smells like the thing. It tastes like the thing. It looks like the thing. It is the thing. And the thing slightly tweaked will make the thing a little better. You said something uh you notice that my using my arms seems like a good idea. Is yeah. there ever anything in your in your assessment? Is that usually your first go-to? Is like no. okay, or anything that would give yeah. you a hint is like okay, this is the driver I'm going to use. Well, interesting. When you just took your foot back, you had pretty good stability. You didn't have the wiggle. Okay, when I added the hands, you had the wiggle. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe the hands are going to be the best bang for the buck. If I was really strategic, I probably should have gone back, no hands, and just let you use a foot driver, come back, foot driver to get the hip to move a little more transverse plane, and then get the hamstrings functioning a little better in the transverse plane then I probably should have not even put in the foot back just gone hands here hands here and then put them back together so in a very if, if you were a patient and I had an extra four minutes and I wasn't trying to impress somebody on video <laughs> I would have probably used both drivers yep well, and I mean, you could also be, and we ta didn't talk about this in the assessment, but you could be measuring the excursion. Exactly. Oh, I mean, yeah. be, if you had to put numbers, if you're being forced to put numbers to sure. what you're doing. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, can, you can do gonometric measurement. You, you can, uh, I, I do what you say. Uh, I, I just measure how far they're able to toe touch and still come back home and feel comfortable about it. It's really easy. Are you at all concerned? So, like, if I was just doing a coronal plane reach like this, like if, if I'm driving way out here, is there a point where you're like, okay, that is too much valgosity. We all know that pronation and valgosity is a normal thing in function. Right. But I mean, are we talking like, is there a functional range that's okay or we're not, it doesn't really matter as long as it's controlled and. Yeah, well, you got to the nuts. I like that. You went right to the nuts, which is good. <laughs> um, so the, where we really kind of got on the map back uh, kind of late seventies, early eighties is, um, People were having ACL tears, and everybody was saying, well, we want to do a preventative program, or we're going to do rehab so you don't tear your ACL. And we're going, Lord bless them, okay? I, I didn't have kids yet, but I didn't want them to have an ACL tear. So I'm going, man, if we can figure this out before my kids get there, selfishly, that's good. And so the very first thing we did is we, and you hit it right on the nose, we noticed that Everybody who came down and had severe valgus, which not only was valgus, but internal rotation, if they went too far, they tore their ACL. So common sense is, probably don't want to go too far. We even tease now that announcers on TV can watch that happen and they can diagnose it before we do. <laughs> the, the, the announcer will go, oh, I think they tore their ACL. And they're, they're spot on. You know, next day in the, reading the paper, they had an MRI and Susie tore her ACL. And it's like, it's so common that it's like, Okay, so the million dollar question is, what causes the ACL to tear? Well, too much valgus, or what we'd call abduction and internal rotation, but, but if you saw where the ACL lived, that lengthening there will get it to a point where it'll rip. Okay, so our hearts were in the right spot back in the day, because we said, well, if we can train people to keep their knee over their foot all the time, so it wouldn't migrate in, we can prevent them from having an ACL tear. And even though Pooh Bear would say, that makes no sense because I never see it happen. 
you know, some of the greatest athletes sh show you 30 degrees of valgusine or abduction of the knee and they explode and they're doing well and you want to take that away and we were saying well theoretically though if you never get there you're not going to tear it the problem is that motion that basically is the distal hip okay this is the proximal foot and so this motion turns my butt on in the transverse and the frontal plane to make it powerful and this motion turns on my calf and my posterior tib and my perineus longus so without that motion available at the knee i've just taken away the strength of the foot and the hip so even though our heart was in the right spot we were we're coming about it totally totally wrong we had to ask ourselves is it normal and as you just presented it you did you actually did a brilliant test for that um, I, I would get people who were trained very non-functionally and the very first test I would do on them is the one you intuitively went to and here's what you did you did a toe touch test out here because that drives the knee in okay and what would happen is if you never learn how to tra train your hip and your foot you would do this you go into varus immediately because that's the only stable because they wouldn't let you do this they wouldn't let you internally rotate your hip or evert your foot or pronate your foot and so that was a dead giveaway we got a little work to do uh, but the key is that is normal okay however if you see somebody maybe do drive their foot in the sagittal plane and it dives in you're gonna scratch your head and go wait a minute I didn't drive you in the frontal plane why are you moving in the frontal plane and then the hip and the foot's gonna say I have a problem I'm glad you saw that so doing what you just did I want it to go as far as it can go I mean, if you can show me 40 degrees of abduction, toe touch here, and you can come back home, I'm happy as a lark, because that means you really can turn your butt on. Where back in the day, and even some people now go, oh. no, it's, oh. if I'm reaching in the sagittal plane, and now my knee dives in, I probably have a four-foot varus, or I probably have a foot that can control eversion, or I have a weak hip. Because now when I'm doing this, it dives in, and I'm going, okay, I don't expect that to happen. And worse than that, if I'm crossing over and I expect adduction, the thing still dives in, i got to back off and say, okay, i got a little work to do here. So I love the way you presented it, because is it normal? It depends on what you're doing. Depends on what driver you're using, what plane of motion you're driving in, how aggressive you're driving it in, uh, what kind of surface you're on, and what we'd expect. If we expect a lot of valgusine or abduction, good to go. If I don't expect it and I see it, I got to step back and go, why? And I'll give you a hint. It's either the foot, the hip, or the thoracic spine. It's right. pretty, pretty easy. Yep. And then, so let's say we're dealing with structural ankle equinus, where yes. we just don't have dorsiflexion. Yes. So, and then, so, so now when we're wanting to move in a sagittal plane, they're now being forced in the coronal or sagittal plane. So how do you reconcile that when, you're, when you deal with a structural abnormality yeah. well, in the body? Well, now, now you just hit the hardest part of the job, okay? Because the hardest part of the job is trying to discern if something's purely functional or purely structural, which usually it's a, a hybrid of all. But like you said, it's really easy to see uh, a real high arched uh, ankle equinus structural foot. You can you know, put 1,000 pounds on it, you're going to flex. Right. Okay, so you go, crap, do I keep trying to force that? Because as you said, it's going to cheat in the other two planes. It's going to, it's going to, uh, the lack of ankle dorsiflexion walking, I'm going to retract my right hip and I'm going to have a, a right L5S1 facet problem, guaranteed. And so, and then the other part of that is not only is, could that be a structural problem, but as we get older, is the joint so worn down that it's kind of pseudo-structural? In other words, so arthritic, I'm never, you know, I'd have to go through 18 spurs to get the ankle dorsiflexion back. Let's say I have a spur on my talus and I just go, okay, it's not structural equinus, it's just a worn out. So I have to fight around that. And that, again, I think is the beauty of AFS because with the power of tweakology, 
we can work around it. We have to work around it because if a person says, I still want to walk, but I don't want to have back pain, we got to figure out, well, how do I get you over that foot that doesn't have any dorsiflexion without retracting your pelvis and smacking S1 against L5 every time you take a step? How do I cheat that? And that's where the power of tweakology comes in or the power of a heel lift or the power of an orthotic or just understanding your foot biomechanics and saying, there's not an exercise in the world that's going to fix that. Just put a couple of heel underneath them and they'll get over it and they'll go home without any back pain. So that's where this becomes. The challenge is, you just hit the biggest challenge for me, is how much of this can I help them with, with some manual therapy or some exercise therapy or some advice and how much of this is structural that we're going to have to use something entirely different that they don't have control over. That, that's hard for me. Well, I think the beauty of the assessment basically got you to that yes. point. You know, you're able to see it and then you're, you're basically just kind of whittling down what the possibilities are. And then eventually you get that through the, through I, the assessment. I, I liked it. I, I really, when you think about that, we're whittling, you know, you look at the whole thing, but then you just kind of whittle down the possibilities and believe it or not, it, it comes to some significant, consistent patterns that you see with people. It's not right. as complicated as you would think. You know, if, if I have to know what every joint in this body is supposed to do for every functional activity, which we kind of do, that's daunting. But as, uh, you know, as Brian knows, it's whittling. Right. You know, that probably not that, probably not that. Look how good they did there. That's probably, oh, look at there. I didn't look at that other foot. Oh, crap. Got, I got, if I fix that, that shoulder is going to be a lot better really quick. Right. So that's where it gets fun. I say it's whittling. I like whittling. Yeah, that's good. It's a fun word. Yeah. Uh, I say the word or the words load to unload. Mm -hmm. What do you? Uh, what would you say back? I love it. Uh, I would say um, it's how the body functions. Uh, the the body will load into a transformational zone. We call it. Now we did make that one up, um, but then it, in order to unload. Uh, and so if I jump, I can, I can certainly jump by staying here, not loading, just try to unload, but I'm, I'm not a very good jumper to begin with, but I'm going to be really poor if you don't let me load first. So I'm going to load and then I'm going to unload. Okay. What am I loading? Everything. Okay. Uh, watch some of the greatest, I mean, those of us who are kind of not old enough, you can watch NBA game anytime, but Michael he would load so beautifully in all three planes of motion that when he unloaded, he could actually load in the air and change direction in the air. I don't know if you remember the one layup he made. Where back he, yeah, but back on the other side. He took off and you're going, yeah, he's on the right side of the basket. While he's in the air, he goes, no, I'm going to go to the left side of the basket. You go, okay, timeout. Well, volleyball players do that too. They load in order to get up. Then they have to load again in order to explode and hit the ball. So the ability to go into a transformational zone to load is really 95% of what we evaluate now. In other words, do you have the motion to turn on the proprioceptors to get the muscles to load so they can explode and you can be efficient? If not, I can guarantee you I'm going to spend most of my time there. So this is the transformational zone of golf. Okay. You'll see me spend 95% of my time there. The only other place you'll see me spend more time, follow through. The rest of it is, is I have no control over because this is the load. This is the explode. This is load. If I'm a big lefty, here's pitcher's prayer. Load, load, come out, explode. I'm loading again as I decelerate and as I decelerate it here. So I go, how well do you load and explode? And it's, you, you look at any book and it'll show you the EMG activity. And you'll see this, zoom, everyone load, explode.
will explode. And there's an, uh, uh, a baseball expert who's now deceased, but his name was Charlie Lau, and his famous uh, statement was, you have to go backwards to go forward with pitching and hitting. And that's essentially you the quality of your load. Yeah. Right? It is the quality of your ability to go back, what joints you can load and what planes, to turn on as many proprioceptors as you can, because the more proprioceptors I turn on, the more muscles that can explode, the better, higher I jump, the faster I'll throw, the better I'll hit my forehand, the better I'll walk. Walking is, walking is, I load, okay? If I didn't stop the load, I'd fall on my face, I load and I explode, and then all of a sudden I load this hit and I explode. So walking has two transformational zones to it. So you'll see us in, uh, with applied functional science, we train in transformational zones. It makes our job real easy there's no reason to train anywhere else. So we do mobility, stability, strength, power, balance, manual therapy. Everything is in a transformational zone. We don't do it anywhere else because that's where I need the motion to turn on the proprioceptors to get them to move better. The goal is to get them to move better. This gets to be a pretty easy job. Yeah. Let's uh, peel back to something a lot more uh, boring than golf or, or throwing or hitting, which is walking. Sure. And uh, so we have a transformational zone too, as you said, in the gait cycle. But I think you know, what people sometimes don't realize is we, need, we do need both functions of the, uh, of the foot, that being pronation and supination. Yep. But to get supination, you actually have to have pronation to set you up for that supination. I think people, it's so binary for people. They, they don't, you Either know, a supinator it. or a pronator. There's no yeah, in between. Exactly. No, no, no. You, I don't think he's, I'm not going to repeat that. Because yeah. I'll just. Okay, so <laughs> better. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. so but how come he says things better than me? <laughs> no, I do not. But so if yeah. you if you uh, in saying that, so if we're because we're going to get together again in the end of October, and right. we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. So one of the things we'd be looking in a gate evaluation would actually be whether or not those transformation zones are actually occurring. Bingo. True. And then um, kind of like you said, uh, you gave credit to, to your wonderful son Doug about using the term tweakology. Right. So we can watch a patient, you know, do their normal walk in the uh, in the sagittal plane and then we can also like tweak the gait to yeah. kind of like maybe pull out some things that we might miss if we're because human walking is a very mid-range movement so sometimes it's kind of hard to see the compensations but we can tweak the gait to maybe help us as clinicians maybe find like where our uh where we would want to uh input ourselves into yeah. that equation. Yeah. and in this case the, you, the way you're tweaking is brilliant you're just Forcing them to go to the end range so they expose themselves. Right. Yep. Very good. Yep. Okay. So uh, in human walking, what are what are some of the tweaks that you know? We'll kind of tease the seminar a little bit. What are some of the th we can do toe in? We can do toe out. We could do uh, gracho walking. I don't know if that's what you call it, but yeah, we, yeah, we got some different ideas yeah. for that. Yeah. Yeah. The 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 cool thing to understand about human walking is that in transformational zone one, where we talked about all those things that gravity causes. Yeah. Gravity causes all those. There's no muscles that cause that. So if somebody says, well, I want to get your hip stronger in adduction, I'm going, better not use the adductors. You better use gravity. And then you better use the abductors to get loaded while it's adducting and explode. And they'll go, whoa, n never thought of that. So all the motions that we went through in that first part are given for free. Money for nothing, chicks for free. <laughs> okay. um, so if anybody comes up with the date and, 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 the, and then that one, they get an extra bonus point or yeah. a free certification or something, because that's an important song. Um, but the cool part is then, and this is where it gets really fun. And uh, so in gait, 
Uh, I'll always kind of tease some of the physical therapy students are just getting ready to be physical therapists. I'll go and gate. What is the function of the abdominals? Now look at me like no one's ever asked me that before. In gait, what's the function of the sternocleidomastoid? They'll go, in gait? They go, yeah. In gait, what, what do the rhomboids do? And they keep looking at me, and pretty soon they're going, okay, obviously we don't know the answer. <laughs> the answer is to invert the heel. So the question is, what did you just say? And eversion or pronation, like you properly said, the proper word is pronation because it's a triplane thing going on, but we use that frontal plane component of eversion. That's given for free. The thing that ultimately inverts the heel to lock up the mid-tarsal joint to allow me to propel and allow all those good things to happen upstairs and let my back be healthy is inversion. But when you think of the, a power and the force that creates eversion, ground reaction force, mass momentum, tooth and a half, and running five times body weight, what muscle am I going to use to invert the heel? And the answer is every one of them I got. Right. And so literally when I walk, the reason my pelvis goes one way and my trunk goes the other way, so I can lengthen my abdominals, so I can grab this pelvis here and I can bring it up and it can help me invert my heel. So the function of any muscle in the body during walking, one of the functions is to assist all the muscles that are closer to the foot to invert the heel. Right. Most of us probably didn't put that on our state boards. You know, right. it's like, yeah, right. wait a minute, where'd you come up with that crap? And it just makes sense. You know, it's like, yeah, the reason I'm swinging my arms is to, so I can walk and the whole inversion of the heel is important because that's what locks up the mid-tarsal joint and makes it stable, which we'll talk a lot about at the seminar. I think that's key. But the key is the exploding is all muscle function. The loading is usually mass and momentum. There's a little bit of it, like golf, I have to pick my hands up. In baseball, I have to take the ball back, go the opposite direction. But 95% of loading is given for free. Right. But can you, can you grab it? And can you show it to me? And can you decelerate it? And can you come back home and show me the explosion I want for that particular activity? That's the million dollar question. In the running world, they use a term called dwell. Mm -hmm. Dwell basically means like the time of the load. Beautiful. So I guess, are you looking at that too? Like sure. to see like how quickly they're able to, you know, react in the zone of yep. transformation? Yep. So one of the fun things about 3D maps is that if you look at 3D maps, you gotta ask yourself, does that look like running? No. Does that look like golf? No. Does that look like anything we do during the day? Not really. It has components of it, but it's just the foundational pure plane motions. So what we then do is with 3D maps is we say, I'm evaluating a runner now. Okay, well, I can watch him run. My eyes aren't that quick. I can videotape and slow it down. That does help sometimes. Uh, but I'd like to see the same thing. I'd like to force them through maximum motion. So let's take, let's take the anterior chain of, of 3D maps. Okay. Does that look like running? No. Only if you're doing a sprint and the, the, the ribbon's there and you're in first place. And you, uh, I've never done it. I've never been in first place any race. But in running, when my pelvis goes forward on the right, and relative back on the left, or what we call left rotation, we know that our arms drive our trunk the opposite to load the thoracolumbar fascia and the abdominals to invert the heel, amongst other things, but invert the heel. So what we do is we take 3D maps and go, well, when you do your anterior chain, don't put your hands over your head. When you do the anterior chain, what I want you to do is I want you to drive your left hand forward and your right hand back. So if you saw me do this, all of a sudden that starts to smell a lot like running. 
Running has more mass and momentum than 3D maps. So how do I get that? Well, I'm going to add the posterior chain. Pelvis is going to the right. Now my hands are going to here. So now I'm going to do this. So if you came in here right now and you saw me doing this, just across the way, you go, go ahead and let it go. It looks like you're halfway to running. Just let it go. And I'd go, well, I'm just kind of getting my left side ready to go to run. And then I'd go toe touch, and then I'd go no toe touch. And you'd go, well, that's brilliant. What a great way to assess running. I wonder if you do that in the frontal plane as well. Yes. I wonder if you do it in the transverse plane as well. Yes. Does that strengthen the muscles proprioceptively the way you want the muscles to be strengthened for running? Yes, because it loads and explodes. And it tweaks in and tweaks out so I can see for a runner whether or not you have the ability to get there and to load yeah. and explode or not. Because if not, then I got to go, I wonder why in this case. The really cool part about any type of function, and we, we're learning this with walking and running, is that in every form of functional activity, there's a thing that we call proximal acceleration. All that means is if I'm a golfer and you see me here and I initiate the downswing with my hands, I'll play you for money. So if, if Taylor goes, let's play golf, and I, first of all, if I said that right foot roll out like you saw, we'll play for big money. <laughs> but, if, but if he keeps that in, but if he starts the downswing with his hands, I'll go, like, uh, what do you think? $50 a hole and do $100 a hole? You did, you know. But if I see him go here, Okay? And all of a sudden accelerate with his pelvis to lengthen everything even more and then let the hands passively come through. I'm going to go, let's just play for pride. Yeah. Okay? Pride's <laughs> cheap. You know, and it's no big deal. Pitcher gets here. First thing they do, they throw their pelvis to the, to the plate. Punch, if I'm going to punch you, I can punch you. But if I do that first, so the, the one-inch punch... If you watch him real quick, what he did is he loaded his right hip and he exploded his hip and then he knocked somebody out. It wasn't that he punched with his arm and his shoulder, he punched with his butt. Walking, we see the same thing. It's really cool because when you get into this transformational zone, like Brian said, now there's not just rotation, but there's a translation of the pelvis forward, a translation of the pelvis to the right, and a, a translation of the pelvis. We got, we got a downward translation, a forward, and a sideways. So we got three-axis translation. What that does is it loads it even more. So if I get that good translation, I'll explode passively. It'll be very easy. If I get here and, my, and I'm dead in the water and I don't have a good load and I have to pull with my leg, I'm going to walk very laborious like most of us do. Like a lot of runners, you just see that they're plodding. Okay? They, they, they're plodding because he hasn't got his hands on them going, okay, you got your rotation, but you ain't got your translation. I'm going to give you your translation back. So the 68-year-old runner... He's lost foot strength, but I guarantee he's lost some translation because the translation, the best way to, to say it is if I have a slingshot and I pull the slingshot, that's load, okay? If I let go, that's explode. Makes sense. Rock's going to go hit you in the nose. But if I do this and that the last, right before I let go, I drive my hand to your nose, look how much more explode I'm going to get. This is the pelvis moving towards the target. So anybody that does any sport, tennis players, dancers, jumpers, down linemen. Down linemen will tell you, I get enough uh, buffer zone in my pelvis that the first thing that I, I come out of my stance with is my pelvis. I don't stand up or I don't go at you with my trunk. I let my pelvis load me and my body almost automatically springs in you and knocks you over. It's like, well, that's pretty cool. Now, did we make that up? No, but we saw it happening. And so a lot of what we do in treatment now is to make sure that in that transformational zone, you come out of that transformational zone with your pelvis first in all three planes of motion. In hitting, uh, you'll watch all the Bingo. best power hitters right now. It yep. is so fascinating to watch. The first thing they'll do, pitch would be coming, 
and you'll see them take their hands back like yep. this, and then they'll they'll intuitively they'll rotate their pelvis like this, take their hands back, and they're essentially you'd call it loading. I would say creating pre-stretches, but same thing. Same thing. Pre-stretch and, uh, is better. Well, and then it like, makes more sense. Yeah, I like it. In it, the golf, exactly, the things yeah. you were saying earlier. Yep. So as I bring the club back, if I can keep you know, the load and eversion, that's basically going to keep this home. At that point, I'm just basically rotating over a Y axis bingo. here. Bingo. And then if my shoulders are ro rotating faster and further than my pelvis, some call, call it X factor, we are eccentrically loading these muscles. And that's like the slingshot that we're talking about, you, you know? It. So, I mean, how it all comes together, I mean, they keep you up at night. Well, and I mean, like when you just yeah. think about like how, because well, what, you can palpate from here too, oh, you sure know, like you this transformation zone, I oh, mean, yeah. you could see like where, yeah. you know. One, one, if you're a golfer and all of a sudden I go into my chiropractor and I say, you know, not only do I want my low back pain to go away, I just want to hit the ball a little further. Mm -hmm. And you take me through, 3D maps, and then you take me through, we have 3D maps for golf. There's four more motions, okay? Watch this, backswing, strong, backside hip, okay? Backswing, front side hip, follow through, front side hip, follow through, backside hip. Now I know everything about you. So if you're, I'm behind there and I see what you're doing, what you can and can't do, I'm in love with you because it's the first time I ever went to a practitioner that let me look like I'm golfing. Most people lay on your table and say, well, let's see if you can do a sit-up or let's, you know, like, no, 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 I'm a golfer. I stand up. I swing club. You know, I go into transformational zone. I explode out of a transformational zone. Hands come through passively. <laughs> I, some stories I t say, tell, you know these, I embellish a little bit. Hard to believe. You know, I but, do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, and then as you get older, what you have to do is go, is that really true? Or have I embellished that my whole life and it's <laughs> such forgot. a bad, you know, I forgot, you know, which could happen to me, I think. Or do what my dad says. Stop me if I've told you. Yeah, <laughs> and we've all this, heard yeah. it a million. Doug, and he's Doug, gonna rant. And he's Doug, gonna Doug's that over there going, "Oh my goodness, you know, <laughs> like the 83rd time." But I remember uh, when my kids first wanted to start playing golf. I'd never played golf. We just—I grew up in a neighborhood where we couldn't afford golf, and we just didn't know what golf was, you know. So when they decided to play golf, I think, well, yeah, I want to be a good father. I want to play golf too. So I thought I should be able to figure this stupid thing out. You know, I don't want to look that bad in front of my kids. And within, and, I, and I'm guessing now, but within the first month or two or three months that I'm kind of learning how to swing the club, um, I'm at a course and a lady that's 110 pounds, about, you know, five foot, says, hey, can I, you know, would you mind if I joined you? Because I was by myself and I'm rolling my eyes and going, oh boy, you know, <laughs> this is not going to be fun. You know, we're going to have to wait for her forever. But being a polite person, I go, well, sure, you know, and as you, you already know the story. By the fourth hole, she was out driving me by 60, 70, 80 yards. I wanted to take my clubs and throw them down and wrestle. I know I'm tougher and stronger than you. There's, just, there's no way you should let's be. Let's arm wrestle. Yeah, let's arm wrestle. But the beautiful thing was, when I understand it now, I didn't understand it then, she would go beautifully in the transformational zone. Pelvis would come out. Everything would follow very passively. Club head speed, go very fast. Ball go deep. I'm girl. I'm, I'm trying to overcome the thing, and it's not working. And so... When you see movements, not we call them athletes, but where they don't even look like they're trying, it's a thing of beauty. It's like, that's what I need for my patient. That's what I need for the 85-year-old. How are they doing that? And so at Gray Institute, we study how the body really does it, and we try to reduplicate it as best we can. That's, well, all, that's all we got going. In a world where everyone's trying to be sport-specific, right. sounds like that is a, it's a huge tenet of not only your assessments, but also your treatments. Yes. And so maybe let's, uh, let's ask a, a different question here on treatment. When do you take a hands-on versus hands-off approach in treatment? So well, there's obviously a soft tissue component with the Gray Institute. There's a soft tissue course. Yeah. Uh, so 
talk us through through in your mind uh, what what in your assessment drives you to, to put hands on versus hands off well here's the embarrassing thing um i used to teach uh, a lot of, well as i go back into the annals of what i've taught since 1976 uh, i realized that probably 95 percent of what i've taught has been wrong okay but luckily i've been around friends who say it's okay to be wrong change your mind you know and, and don't ever admit that you were that bad you know so just but one of the things I used to say very early on is that I think I understand chain reaction biomechanics so well, I can connive any environment to get any motion at a joint to happen. I couldn't have been as far from the truth as, as possible. Um, and let's use the subtalar joint as an example, okay? I can put you on a round board and wiggle it. I can put you on whatever. I can put you on a slant. I can put you on the true stretch. I can do this. But not until I grab you and just move you nice and easy do I get that full motion that I want of eversion? Right. And so every place, obviously chiropractors have known that throughout the body, especially the spine. The spine can hide all kinds of things. That's why we get gunk there. And that's why we need somebody that can put me on a table and do a joint assessment and then say, let's do that again standing. But if I can give you a couple degrees of motion here in the thoracic spine, I'm gonna take a tremendous amount of stress off your low back. Here's the answer to the question. I think we gotta get our hands on people 10 times more than I ever dreamed because the body will follow a path of least resistance. And the quickest way I can train the body to do what I ultimately want it to do, teach the proprioceptors, is get my hands on somebody and guide them through that correct motion. Key phrase, correct motion. Right. So for example, let's go golf. I know people are going tired of golf, but it's pretty one easy to see and smell if you're driving your car, listen to the podcast. So before I'd let you do manual therapy on me, I'd say to you, uh, my backswing transformational zone isn't complete. Uh, you took me through 3D maps. You have suspicious it's my left hip, okay? Um, before you create motion on my left hip, you got to tell me what three motions you're going to create, and then you got to tell me which bone's going to go faster before I let you touch me. Because the only reason you would manually do therapy to somebody is to reinforce normalize motion. And so if you can't tell me what normalized motion is first, I'm not gonna, I wouldn't go, well, I'm gonna do a concave convex, or I'm gonna do a thrust, or I'm gonna do this of your hip, and go, no, 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 I wanna golf better, okay? And you gotta tell me that in the transformational zone, you better give me more abduction, you better give me more external rotation, and you better give me extension, and it better be the pelvis moving faster than the femur because it's hand-driven in all three planes of motion, or I'm not gonna let you touch me. Now that's a little dramatic, but that's what we believe at Grand Institute, that functional manual reaction is manual therapy specific to the joint motion for that particular activity, uh, which, change, which is the game. And believe it or not, and I think Brian will tell you this, it makes it easier. What do you, what do you want to do? I want to walk better. So he immediately goes, well, let's look at the transformational zones of walking. Okay, I can give you a little more motion here. I can give you a little more extension, abduction. I can give you a little more internal rotation, give you a little buffer zone there. I can give you a little more flexion, adduction, internal rotation here. I can give you more relative thoracic right rotation. I can give you a little bit of lateral flexion to the right lumbar spine, lateral flexion to the left, so a little type two, type one motion. I can do that. He can do that with the hands. Next time I walk, I go, what the heck did you do to me? I'm walking so much better. You just took my limp away. My stress on my back went away. What did you do? And he's going, I reinforced the motion in the joints that they need to have to walk. I'm going, oh, that's brilliant. Okay, it's not brilliant. It's just chain reaction biomechanics. Well, and I mean, if it weren't difficult enough, if we go, if we go back to the example of golf, the timing of the rotation is so Bingo. critical for everything you're talking about. So yes. if, I, if I'm bringing the club back like this, you'll see 
all the great rotational athletes, what they'll do different than uh, the, everyone else, is by the time I start to initiate my downswing, I actually have to initiate the support. Top 1,000 players in the world will do this. Yeah. So then to do that, then that means I haven't rotated early. So if we, if we look at baseball hitting or well, that's, golf. That, that's really well put. That's a fatal flaw. The fatal yeah. flaw is because if, if I start my downswing and I haven't like initiated the support, right. I've now lost all that stretch. You got it. So I think like what, what makes it so difficult, the people who move their body really well in rotation, they don't rotate soon. You said something earlier that really made me think about it. Like golf is so like, you just want to get there sooner. Sure. So basically like that is one of the fatal flaws of, of the golf swing, but all rotational sports. And uh, it's kind of nice how it all comes together like that. Oh, yeah, it's, 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 it's when crazy. it's done right, it's a thing of beauty. Here's the beautiful part though. We can take us old people and just restore some normalized motion through the pelvis a little bit and give them that back because you don't consciously think about letting your pelvis take off it happens okay so but if i don't load and i don't get a good load here my 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 right hip isn't going to quickly say get that force under that left foot so you can pivot over that so you have a nice post up to hit the ball that happens all subconsciously so if you don't have a good load here i'm not going to have a good explode there so Brian would give me a good load to this right side in all three planes of motion. Automatically, subconsciously, my body would say, well, you're fully loaded, let it go. And this would take off before my hands took off. I would start posting up, and all of a sudden, the 80-year-old comes in and says, how can I get 20 yards further with my 7-iron? I went from 110 to 130 with my 7-iron. What did you do to me? And you say, well, we created a little more motion in that backside hip. Gave you a little more posting ability. Gave you a little more what we'd call stability on that front side so you can get do that. But your body automatically is creating a whip, and a whip's going to hit the ball 130 yards instead of 110 yards. And your home exercise program is proving that. So I'm really proud of you, sir. Uh, we're just going to keep it up. And that's why, that's why we get excited because it's not just the multi-million dollar professional athletes that get better. It's the kid who just wants to play the violin. Uh, it's the older person who just wants to take a walk with his wife and not have to say, sweetie, I can't go with you today because I'm beat up. Uh, that just wants to live a quality life by the time they die. Um, so that's the exciting thing about AFS. Is we can look at anybody at any level of function and go on, hey, understanding how that really functions, um, we can kind of go from there. A story I always tell, and it pisses PTs off mostly, <laughs> but I'd say it to, to piss PTs off. <laughs> So uh, I, I always tell the story of me driving my car, and I know nothing about how the engine works, but I do know when that little heat gauge starts going that way, and I see heat coming out of my engine, and I hear clicking going on, I know I got a problem, okay? So bad news is I can't go to a gas station, because there's no auto mechanic at gas stations. They have pizza, uh, they have, you know, lotto yeah. cards, they have everything but an <laughs> auto mechanic. Now, in my day, you could pull up, and the guy would go, hey, I'm going to wash your windshield yeah. and, you know, put the gas in. I'm going, where's this guy at? But so you got to go to an auto mechanic shop. So I did that. I went to the auto mechanic shop and I, and I pulled in, I got out of my car and I, the guy was there, a real nice guy. You know, he had the cute smile like he has. He's got a good smile too. Do you smile like that all the time? All the time. <laughs> it's like, I, I'm smiling. I'm happy. You could probably kick me in the shin and I'd go, that was fun. You know, let's do it. Hit, <laughs> hit me again. Call him Mr. Smiley in our town. Is yeah. he? I mean, yeah. it's awesome. Yeah. You know, and he has that same thing. He's got, although his looks a little more conniving, you know what I mean? <laughs> He's got, so I go and I go, the guy goes, man, I'm glad you got here. So he's out there and he goes, oh, Gary, put, put your hand on the hood. It's hot. And, and he goes, hear that clicking? I go, I hear that clicking. And he goes, you got a problem. I go, I know. That's why I'm here. <laughs> and he goes, do me a favor. Get in your car. Turn the engine off. I'll, I'll fix it. So I go and turn the engine off. He puts my hood up and 
doesn't, doesn't check the engine or anything, doesn't grab any belts or anything, just kind of looks and measures the width and the length of my engine block. Goes into his little shop, he takes a big knife out and he cuts a piece of six inch dense foam, that exact shape. I mean, exactly. 39 inches wide, 42 inches long, same size as my engine block. He takes that thing and he puts the foam in this side, this side, clicks it in here, clicks it in here, makes sure it's padded down, takes the hood, snaps it down, says, Gary, do me a favor. What's that? Go start your car. Really? Yeah, go start it. Okay. Well, you're the expert. Okay, so I start it. Come out. Let's wait a bit. Yep. What do you feel? No more heat. Hmm. What do you hear? <laughs> I don't hear the clicking anymore. Good to go. And as I'm driving out, I go, did I just get a hot pack ultrasound and massage? <laughs> <laughs> I did. Uh, no one fixed my engine. Yeah. You just Somebody, can't hear it anymore. <laughs> saying, yeah, I just, I just didn't hear it anymore, and, and they put enough buffer in there. I couldn't feel the heat yet. It's going to come. But that's, that's what happened to me my first number of years of therapy, living in a small community. I'd discharge patients that were fine. I'd run into the mall. They weren't fine anymore. And I'm going, You've crap. I've got the same story. Yeah, that, I, yeah. I call that mall phobia. Scared to death because I'm going to run to all my failures. <laughs> and when you live in a community long enough like me, I keep running into all my failures. Oh, yeah. Actually, I took my pants to get them fixed by this lady yesterday. Sweet lady. She goes, remember me? And I go, <laughs> trying to be honest, I go, no. She goes, well, you saw me back in uh, 1983 or something like that. I go, okay, my memory barely goes to 2013, but we'll go there. And do you remember what you did with me? I go, no. <laughs> you know, but I, I knew she was going to say, and since that time, I've been worse. You know, and, and so I don't want that to happen anymore. Right. I'd, I'd rather treat the cause of the dysfunction and then maybe help with the dysfunction and the symptom a little bit. But at AFS, we believe that most of the pain is totally different place than where the cause is. Wow. What a good thing. What a good thing. Well, and it's something, uh, it's a theme of kind of our podcast and a theme that we're starting to realize with these high achievers, people that have built, I mean, look at what you've built. You have to be pretty, uh, pretty proud of uh, you and your family of, of the Gray Institute and all this stuff and in little Adrian, Michigan. And, uh, we were talking off air, you know, it's kind of cool. It, you know, you could have been in Ann Arbor, you could have been in Detroit, you could have been anywhere, but you chose to kind of stick around here and, and to build this empire here. And it's something that, you know, we, we love that theme of being in Troy, Missouri. Sure. Uh, you know, we've had Gray Cook on here. He's in Chatham, Virginia. Right. You can kind of go down the list of all these like cool high achievers that are kind of building it. And, and uh, so anyway, we, I, I just think that's an awesome theme and, and uh, talking about hooking up with your failures at Walmart and stuff like that. I mean, right. Brett and I, even me, I've only been in practice for three and a half years now, and I've got a thousand stories about it too. So I, I think that's just part of our, all of our journey is to sure. try to try to get better and then meet those failures and see if you can help them now. Yeah. You can't be cocky in our field. If you're, if, oh. if I see a charlatan on a stage on a weekend who's, you know, cocky, you know, they're not getting their nose broke every, every week in the, no, it's, uh, I, I, I'm, I, in my devotions, I'm trying to pursue humility, but just treating patients keeps you humble. Mm -hmm. I mean, because we're not in charge of the healing. I can't heal anybody. Uh, I can't save anybody. I can't force anybody to learn something. You know, all we're trying to do is create environments where, you know, the healing will take place. And man, just some, we just sometimes, most of the times, don't get them to where we want them. And you just, it's, it's, a, it's humbling dealing with what we deal with because uh, the human body is such a miracle. Uh, and, and sometimes it's so rewarding that, you know, somebody does get a smile and they think we might've had something to do with it. Um, I usually kind of get a grin on my face, and so, well, you did all the work, but thank you for letting me help you. So it is, it's a, it's a fascinating opportunity we have, a privilege we have as chiropractors and physical therapists and strength coach and athletic trainers. It's, it's a privilege. People come to us and say, I'm broke. Yep. Fix me. 
And this superstar, uh, Brian Rayful, last year at our gate seminar for MPI, he says, and we have uh, Thomas Shouds there. I did a part, and then uh, our president of MPI, Dr. King, did a part. In the middle of it, he's like, we got to get, we got to get Gary here. So uh, this coming year, the last weekend in October, we are, uh, we call him a fusion where we're basically bringing these great minds together. So it'll be uh, Thomas Michaud, who wrote this wonderful book, Human Locomotion. It's a great book, by the way. Uh, yes. Uh, Gary Gray had it on his shelf, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, Ironically, this is the book <laughs> I learned from 20 years ago. This was your, one of your original books. And I, walking by your closet there, I saw the functional video digest, which yeah. I have like every single one of them basically. And uh, yeah, so it's going to be a really special seminar to bring a bunch of different things together. And uh, yeah, we're, we're really, really looking forward to that. So that'll be the last week in October. And uh, motionpalpation.org for yeah. more information there. So yeah. It'll be awesome. DNS. What's the, what's the, what's the dot org? What is it? Motionpalpation.org. Beautiful. Yep. Gotcha. So we'll, we'll put a link in the, okay. in the show notes and stuff like that. But uh, we'd love to have you out there. It's it's such a fun it's weekend. It's going to be a huge seminar. Yeah. It'll, be, it'll be enormous. Uh, so. And we've had some good conversations about some of the stuff in, in Tom's book. And, you know, we've had Tom on the podcast uh, t- twice now. And so the cool thing about Tom is once he learns something new, holy smokes, then it changes his paradigm. And we love being around people like that. You know, just from this conversation, I can't wait to get back it's Monday or it's Tuesday now, I guess. So Wednesday, when we get back to patients tomorrow to, to start applying some of these things and, and uh, that kind of stuff. But one more thing on this, yeah. it'll be a three day seminar. Yep. So uh, Gary will have a day, Tom will have a day, and then I'll have the third day and Mark will be kind of injecting himself throughout the weekend also. And then what we're thinking about is we're going to um, like at the end of the day, maybe have like a little breakdown and kind of, you know, that way we can uh, incorporate everything that we're learning. And then at the end of those seminars, it's always nice. Cause like, I feel like you learn a lot about what someone's doing, but then you also learn how to mix and match some other things. Yeah. So it's going to be is special. The fun part. Yeah. Yep. So let's give uh, the grants a little plug. So um, obviously 3D map sounds like a must take. That's a good starting point for anybody to gain the assessment. Then at the other end, we have the gift program. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about the gift program and what that all entails. Well, um, I don't even have to say much about the gift program. I can just point to this guy and yeah. just tell you uh, how proud I am to be on his team. Uh, like I said, the first time he wrote me a note about a patient, it was, it was amazing because he documented in a way that I understood what was going on with the patient. I literally could see them in my mind's eye, and I'm thinking, wow, that's, that's beyond brilliant to be able to assess somebody and to then articulate it in written word and then to be able to apply the strategies uh, of what we want. And so the, the, the evolution is, you know, doing seminars and then doing books and then functional video digest. And finally, people said, well, we want more. And we're going, man, I don't know what else we can give you unless you want to hang out with us for 40 weeks. And they're going, yeah, let's do that. You know, and so we started uh, Dougie uh, and Dave Tiberio and myself, and of course, uh, our amazing facilitators. Um, we started this 16 years ago, um, and it's, uh, it's, it's exceeded our expectations because, first of all, I get the blessing to meet new people and get to learn things from everybody. Right. It's, it's actually the biggest con in the world. You're paying me to teach me, and it's like, this is brilliant. You know? So you're, <laughs> you're willing to pay me money so I can learn more, and it really is because we all learn more. Hopefully, we disseminate it well, uh, but it's a 40-week mentorship program that now because of COVIDs and things like that, you can either do 40 weeks all, all online uh, or 40 weeks online and then come to Adrian twice and actually do a lot of your hands-on stuff here. But it's, uh, it's the ultimate enchilada. Um, it's not for everybody. It definitely, it's not for everybody. And, uh, but if you 
want to understand the truths of human movement and come up with the most powerful strategies that allow you to have a zillion techniques. Uh, it gets kind of fun. As you were going through the tweak, I thought uh, a webcast that somebody, some people might get a kick out of us, uh, a webcast we did on the power of tweakology and a jumping jack. So just have somebody do a jumping jack and say, that's good. Can you do another one? And usually they can. And then can you do another one? Usually right around three or four, they get stuck. This particular uh, uh, thing on YouTube teaches you how to do over a million jumping jacks. Now, that was, I exaggerate a lot, but that's not exaggerating. <laughs> and not only a million jumping jacks, but what to call them. And, but not only what to call them, why I would do that jumping jack for a golfer and that one for a thrower and that one for a walker and that one, because we just take a thing called jumping and arm swings and say, there's no rule, you gotta stay in the frontal plane, so let's start tweaking this sucker. So you see all the var varieties of tweaks, and when you see them come together, you go, yes, in 40 minutes, I learned a way to do a million different jumping jacks. That's the power of variability. Because if you're out on the field and you have to do something that kind of feels like a jumping jack, like you said, it's never going to be the same two times in a row. Right. Ball's going to go a different place. The defender's going to be a different place. My footwork's going to be different. So have I taught the proprioceptors as many variables as I can is the, is the real question in training and conditioning. Have I, have I given you every opportunity to be successful in everything that I think you're gonna have to deal with when you go out there into the real world? And if the answer is, I'm giving it my best shot, then you're probably, probably climbing the right tree. Love it. Brian, give us your uh, couple takes, maybe a couple of takeaways from your uh, Time of the Gift program. And, oh and gosh, so many. Um, again, starting with 3D maps, the specificity of uh, the transitional zones and working from there, I think, um, you know, there's, uh, now I just have so many ways to attack issues and problems. Mm -hmm. Now it's almost like endless, mm -hmm. you know? That's fun, isn't it? It's very fun. Yeah. Uh, I don't care who you are, I'm gonna be wiggling your big toe when you come in. <laughs> if you got a headache, if you got a, and truly, you know, and I know this is a chiropractic, uh, and uh, there's a good chance, for example, if you come in with low back pain, I'm not gonna touch your low back. I just don't have to. Mm -hmm. You know, if I just improve foot mechanics, hip mechanics, most of the time I'm kind of done there, but I'm going to sure. go upstairs to your T-spine, get better scapular motion, and it usually it's amazing uh, the difference. So uh, if you are treating based around pain, there is a better life. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> uh, a, there's a much better life for you out there. You'll love your job so much more. And it's kind of cool because they come in with complaints. It's not like I'm not paying attention, I do, but I don't really care that much because your body's gonna tell me and I can start to read it, and especially I can feel it. Mm -hmm. And it can't lie to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really isn't gonna lie to me. Mm -hmm. Nowhere to hide. Carol Levin, one of our favorite people of all times, uh, he said, uh, he who si treats the side of pain is lost, and more importantly, so is his patience. So uh, I think if I can take anything away from this conversation, we're all functionalists, I guess, is what we would call each other. So uh, we care about people in pain and their pain, it's yes. real. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, we gotta do things that are gonna make long lasting changes. Right. And uh, I think we all share that passion and uh, I can feel the passion for both of you too, just meeting you this weekend. And, and uh, Doug. And uh, Doug, yeah, absolutely. Doug. So yeah. uh, Taylor's here as well. So uh, I, I think to close, I just think, uh, thank you for welcoming us into your space. Uh, it was awesome. Uh, thank you, Brian. Jason, uh, for taking care of us and for doing the audio and video and stuff. And uh, I, I can't wait to, to have more conversations. I think we got some some other cool stuff in our future that we didn't get to. Um, but um, I, yeah, we, we just uh, really appreciate uh, your time and your 
honestly, your, your contributions to the movement industry, the, the physical medicine industry, and all the above. So. Father of function. <laughs> yeah, Gary Gray. Absolutely. Yeah, what, what a pleasure, man. The honor, Great job. The honor is ours, it really is. When, you, when somebody's kind enough like you guys to come in and hang out with us and just talk about what we're all trying to do to just help make the world a little better place and enhance the lives of others. It just, for us, is an honor that you guys care that much and let us, let us kind of jibber-jabber a little bit. So Absolutely. Thank you. Brian, appreciate thanks for it. hooking us up, uh-huh. for setting yes. it all up. Uh, yeah. we, we really appreciate it. And uh, with that being said, guys, I, I think just stay passionate. I, I think if I could mm-hmm. take anything from it, just stay passionate, stay curious. It's another common thread in our, our podcast. And uh, assess. Keep obsessing over assessment uh, because at the end of the day, that's what's going like to happen. And I mean, you talk about a real McCoy. Uh, you don't see any past modalities around here. You don't even see a table. I mean, you talk about, like, I mean, <laughs> this is day, yeah. true yeah. function here. <laughs> so is, yeah, this is it. So awesome. um, anyway, uh, thanks for tuning in guys. We'll have links in the, in the uh, below for, for all the gray Institute stuff uh, for the, the MPI seminar in October and uh, stay tuned for next one. Good luck with patience. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Gasol Education Show. Uh, if you liked it, share it, subscribe to it, uh, send it to your friends, send it to someone that needs to hear this message. Uh, we really want everyone to be able to, to tune in and, and get the, the best clinical advice that they can, which uh, we're hoping that we're giving to you with these special guests. So um, if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us. Or if you have any suggestions on upcoming uh, conversations, let us know. Uh, For a list of our upcoming courses, we're adding them all the dang time. So go to gestaltedu.com, click on courses, and they'll all be right there for you. All right, have a good day.